uh, back at it. Oh boy, we are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined by Colby Powell. Colby, I would ask if you had a good Halloween, but I think I know the answer. Carson, it was not a good weekend. It's not a good Monday. I, I've i half been dreading this and half been looking forward to it. Dreading it because I have to relive <laughs> that atrocity that I watched on Saturday, but looking forward to it because I need to decompress. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, there's so much to dive into, and I'm with you. It's uh, it's part it's it's part therapeutic, and it's going to be part frustrating for for both of us. But let's hear from Chris University Spirit before we dive into the game. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. This podcast is brought to you by Chris University Spirit. You can shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, Christmas is coming up, Colby. I mean, I know we got Thanksgiving to get through. Are you a big like? put your tree up before Thanksgiving guy, or do you wait till after Thanksgiving? Man, it's, it's 50, 50. If it's November 20th and my wife tells me she wants the tree up, then I put the tree up. If she wants to wait until after Thanksgiving, we can do that. I'm, I'm the kind of guy I don't, I'm not a Scrooge by any means. I just don't get like the super holiday spirit that some people get. So I just pretty much wait for my wife to tell me when she wants the tree up and the lights on the house and whenever she wants it done, I get it done. Yeah, I love it. Like, I love Christmas music. I love the decorations. But, like, I'm never the guy making my house look like, you know, Clark Griswold's house. Like, I, I enjoy the Christmas music when it's on. If someone wants to put a ton of lights in their house, I'm cool with it. But, like, I'm not the one out there doing all that stuff. So, but I, I do love Christmas. But I am I am pretty staunch against putting your tree up before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving deserves its own space. And once Thanksgiving's over, you got to more than a month to to celebrate Christmas and all that. So uh, gift time is approaching though rapidly with Christmas. So Chris University Spirit can hook you up with all your OSU stuff that you don't want to buy for for the holidays. And uh, without further ado, we appreciate Chris University Spirit. Let's get into this, this football game, Colby. You know, we pretty much nailed this game on the last podcast. Like I still feel great. Even though I bashed Texas for, for an hour, even though I picked Oklahoma State in a blowout, even though I pointed out that Joseph Asai and, and Overshawn are the two best defensive players, like I think the game played out exactly how we said. OSU was a far, far, far superior team to Texas. And what did we both say? We said if they turn the ball over, that's Texas's one avenue to win this game. And obviously it happened in droves. Four turnovers, five counting the roughing the punter. Uh, Colby, it was just – it was like – a, almost a perfect storm of calamity from Oklahoma State. Yeah, I don't think I've ever predicted a game wrong by four touchdowns. And when the game ended, I was like, yep, nailed it. Um, because what did we say? We said Oklahoma State was going to come out and absolutely dominate Texas. They, Texas was not going to be able to move the ball. Oklahoma State would have some success offensively. And I think I might have even used the number four whenever we recorded on Friday. I might have said, you know, if OSU turns it over four times or something, maybe Texas has a chance to be in the game. But other than that, OSU should run away with it. And they really should have Carson and the roughing the punter is a, a fifth penalty. And I, I mean, I've just got to tell you, when I saw them going after the punt, first off, why on fourth and 22 near midfield up by five points in the middle of the fourth quarter, are you going after a punt? That's one of the worst coaching decisions I've ever seen. And then I saw him hit the plant leg. I knew the flag was going to come out. And when I tell you, I don't lose my mind very often. I really don't. I'm a rational sports fan. But I, I threw – I mean, I yelled for so long, so loud, with so much foul language. My wife had to put my dogs outside because they were terrified. They were terrified, Carson. They were cowering in fear in the corner because of the way I was yelling at my TV when they went after that punt. My fiancé called me literally about two seconds after the roughing the punter. And she needed, like, she was out running there. She needed me to answer. So I had to answer. And the tone of my voice, she just said, <laughs> what is your problem? And I'm like, OSU just roughed the punter. I gave her the whole, like, lay down. She's like, I don't care. She went to OU. She doesn't care. <laughs> and I'm, oh. like, I'm like, you know what? I should not have answered the phone right now. This is probably the worst possible time for me to be talking to you right now. Yeah, no, let, let's, to me, it was sorry. just so frustrating. It's like, I, I understand Players make mistakes, and we're going to get into that because the players, especially on the offensive side of the ball, did make a lot of mistakes. But what I hate is whenever you lose a game because a coach does something that is so obviously 
wrong. Like in the moment, I mean, I'm yelling to my wife. I'm like, who in their right mind thinks that it's even remotely okay to go after the punter? Pun- I mean, Texas had to have punted, what, 10 times in that game? And they Oklahoma State times. waits. Oklahoma State waits until the middle of the fourth quarter up by 22 points to go after one? I, yeah. I just, I don't get it. Not, no, not about let's, points, fourth and 22, I mean. I'm glad you brought it up. I was going to bring it up eventually. Let's just get right to it. It's quite simply, it's the worst decision Mike Gundy's made as head coach of Oklahoma State. And look, I'm sure there's other bad decisions. You know, maybe he called the wrong play. This cost your team the game simply by rushing the punter. You're up five, as you said. You're nursing a lead. You don't even put your player in that position. I went back and watched three or four of them rush the punter. It's not as if he didn't call. Gundy said afterward, and people have been in my mentions ever since I said that was the worst decision Gundy's made. It's right up there, Colby, frankly, with Bob Stoops repunting the Tyree kill on the level of, of bad coaching decisions. I think so, it's just a notch under that one slight notch under just that. a notch under that. I'll, I'll grant you that you just, you don't even put your player in that position. And this is the most frustrating thing that Gundy said about it. He said, the reason they called punt block was the guy was pinning them deep or he didn't want him to pin them deep inside the 10. And so he wanted That's to like kind of throw him off his punt. That, that makes no sense. I don't know if he's just covering for himself or that's the best excuse he could come up with. Of course he is. Hire a special teams coach. Hire Mike Gundy a is the special teams, teams coach. coach. That's that's a whole other issue. Mike Gundy is the special teams coach. Their special teams have been atrocious for a decade since oh, they got. Well, at least it was only the punt on Saturday. Oh wait, no, they also gave up a hundred yard kickoff return like they did a couple years ago to Kansas State when they lost a game that they should have won. Hire He's... a special teams coach. It's getting embarrassing. And they used to have the best in the country when they had Joe DeForest. That's the most frustrating thing. And so. Look, you can talk about the turnovers. We're going to get to Spencer Sanders, the kick return. OSU outgained Texas by 243 yards. Despite all of that, all of the turnovers, you lose Colby Harvell Peel, you lose Trey Sterling, you lose two offensive linemen. This is a total indictment of Texas that this even got to overtime. That's how bad Texas is. You had the perfect storm of calamity, and you still couldn't win in regulation because OSU is that much better than you. But all that stuff that happened, Colby, you're getting the ball back and you called punt block. I'm sorry. We can blame Spencer Sanders and he had a big part of this and we're going to get to him. But despite all of that, you had it right there in your hands and you called punt block and you roughed the punter and you gave Sam Elliott another shot and he ends up scoring the go ahead touchdown. And then you're just lucky at that point to get it to overtime. Yeah. So and, and this is it's the worst decision he's ever made, Colby. It's it's right up there. I mean, I if somebody tweeted me a decision he made at some point that they think's worse, I, I could maybe be persuaded. But it's right up there. It's certainly the angriest I've ever gotten while watching an Oklahoma State game. And I think just this loss, uh, I think this loss for Oklahoma State, considering what I think this team could have accomplished, because this team's playoff hopes are now shot. We can argue about whether that's fair or whether it's not. But whenever the logo on the side of your helmet reads OSU, you don't get to lose and still go to the playoff because that's the way college football is designed. It's designed for the same handful of teams to get in year after year. But that being said, I think this loss goes right up there with 2011 Iowa State and with, was it 2013 Bedlam in the freezing 2013, cold? 2013 Bedlam for a Big yeah, 12 2011 title. Iowa State and 2013 Bedlam. I think we have to add 2020 Texas to that list because this is a bad Texas team that Oklahoma State is clearly better than, outgained by more than 240 yards, and just could not get out of their own way. And what I was going to say, I'm, and then we can move on from the punt if you want to, is, you know, players in game, like LD Brown spins out of that tackle, and as he goes to run, he gets obliterated, and the ball pops out. These are things that happen in the game at real speed. So it's easier for me to understand and accept those because that's just part of football. You know, Spencer's interception on the out route, it was a bad interception. It's still full speed. That, that ball's a foot off where it needs to be. Those kind of things are going to happen throughout the course of a game. But when a coach who's been doing it for, for 30 years and gets paid $5.5 million decides with time to think that he wants to make that decision, those are the ones that drive me nuts. That's not, that's not blink of an eye happening in an instant and something goes wrong. No, no, no. That's you thinking about what the best thing to do is and obviously doing something that everyone knows is incredibly dumb. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I can't believe that he put his team in that position. It just, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up 2013 because that's what I said uh, last night on our Sunday night show. It's right there with 2013 Bedlam for me. 2011 Iowa State, that's just, that's like almost too, too dark to bring up, just everything surrounding that with the national title. But 
it was another home game in 2013. You were far superior team. You turn you you kind of just bumbled it away. You turned it over. You gave up a return touchdown. You know, I actually kind of went back and looked at that 2013 box score, which is just a Colby. It's just a it's a dark corner of the internet. I didn't expect myself to be again. I was just kind of there. I was like, oh, why am I here? This is this is what Texas and OSU did to me. They put me back in this 2013 box score. That is one of the most maddening games in OSU history. And I'm with you. The stakes were much lower here in terms of. You can say it wasn't for a Big 12 title, but you lose to Texas, it can definitely cost you that. It definitely cost you a chance at the college football playoff. So I'm with you. It's right there with those two in terms of what you lost. And Colby, what they lost. Yeah, and uh, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you you know, with with the punt, (laughs) I actually, I mean, I lost sleep over the punt. I, I laid in bed Saturday night. And Car- I was still so mad. I was still so mad at midnight after watching that OU game. And, you know, OU destroys Texas Tech, whatever. We knew that was going to happen. But I was still so mad laying there thinking about the punt. It was, you, you know, it- it's funny because whenever I was uh, doing radio and stuff and I tried to be impartial and everything, my wife would get on to me for not being big enough of a fan. And then on Saturday, she was getting on me for being too big of a fan and, uh, you know, yelling and cussing at the TV and, um luckily I had my phone plugged in charging because I think on the roughing the punter I was sitting on my in my recliner and always on the arm of my recliner I leave my phone right there and I picked it I reached down to pick it up to throw it and it wasn't there so I, <laughs> I kind of got lucky that it wasn't there or else I I don't even know where it would have ended up oh man I'm glad you didn't have it because that just would have cost you money in the long run yes um so by the way Texas now they're the new leader for the lowest post-game win expectancy in a win. So, like, Texas at one point in that game had a 3% chance of winning the game, and they won it, which leads the country in, like, the lowest expected win percentage to go ahead and win. That's that's the level. And, again, and also and that's from Bill Conley, who does a lot of the stats. He does the S&P rankings and stuff like that that measures statistics. OSU moved up in his S&P model despite losing. To Texas. They dominated the game. That's I mean, how thorough domination that was. It was it was dominant. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it. Oklahoma State just beat Texas into the turf for four quarters, and because they couldn't hang on to the ball and they decided to rush the punter, they lost a game that they had no business losing. I mean, it just changes your outlook for the season. At this point, Oklahoma State. I mean, they've got to play really well. Obviously, you have to win out to guarantee yourself a spot in the Big 12 title game. If you lose a game, you might need help. I mean, if you lose to what's becoming a really good OU team, you might need help just to make it to the Big 12 championship game. So this this loss totally changes the outlook of the season. I mean, it's as bad as it was against Texas, though, Colby. They do control their own destiny. Now, it, it, it's basically a two-game season right now for OSU. You go beat Kansas State, who's not any good anymore, up in Manhattan. And you got to go to Norman and win finally. You got to you got to go beat OU finally. You've you've done it twice under Mike Gundy. You got to go do it. If you do those two things, you're you're in the Big Twelve title game. And then you don't even worry about the rest of the country because you're right. They're they're definitely on the outside looking in in terms of the college football playoffs. So as bad as it was, it's still right in front of them. They were still going to have to go to Manhattan. They were still going to have to go to Norman and win. So I don't know. It it was a huge missed opportunity. And and I want to talk about the defense and how great they played. And I want to talk more about that. But let's talk about Spencer Sanders, Colby. And what I was going to say earlier was what OSU lost out on here was basically a once in a decade chance of getting to the college football playoff for a team like Oklahoma State. It was right there. The path has never been this clear. And this was Spencer Sanders' 13th game. You go back to 2018. Myself and Brian Keating got excoriated by corndog truthers, by Taylor Cornelius truthers. We were saying all the way back then, this season, OSU's not winning the Big 12. They went 6-6 six and six with Corndog. They looked inept in certain games like Texas Tech, Kansas State, Baylor. You didn't play Spencer Sanders. That was a complete lost season, in which he did get three free games even. I mean, you didn't play him a down. And now here he is. This was his 13th game against Texas. So basically, when your team is in prime position to make a college football playoff appearance – your quarterback is still in his freshman season because you didn't play him. You played a fifth-year senior, w- former walk-on, that you just thought deserved it. Well, 
that's a lost that's a lost that's a sunk cost Colby playing a quarterback like that who has no more eligibility left for that season you weren't winning the big 12 you play the younger guy so that when you have a team capable of winning a national championship and I think this defense is capable of winning a national championship that's how good I think they are they have the skill talent to win a national championship their offensive line maybe not but the point is you totally misjudge the trajectory of this football program because now that you have this team, your quarterback's not ready for the moment. He's still making true freshman mistakes. Had he played in 2018, I mean, he got hurt. Granted, he should have played more games than he has at this point due to bad luck with injuries. I grant you that. But again, the sunk cost of Corndog has come to roost here. And I don't want to hear any more crap from people on Twitter that, oh, Corndog was the better guy. Well, who cares? They, they went six and six. You got to... Do you agree with me, Colby? I think I think Mike Gunny totally misjudged the trajectory of Spencer Sanders and his football program. Yeah, I remember in 2018, I remember just how adamant you are on Twitter about Spencer Sanders needing to get on the field, and, and at least for the three games. Because like you said, you get three freebies, and I think we were all a little shocked that he never saw the field at all and got his three freebies to get his feet underneath him, just dip his toe in the Didn't water. Didn't play whatever. it down. Didn't yeah, even play didn't it down. Play they played corndog no. the every single snap. Every snap. And, and it's like you said, it was never about the 2018 season. We knew what the 2018 season was. It, it wasn't much, honestly. That team did not have a very high ceiling. That was a gap year to get you where you needed to be. Sanders should have at least played the three. But then you see on Saturday. And also, I want to know what is going on with the quarterback to running back exchange. I mean, that is something so simple. You know, you, you get guys in your face and you sling one 30 yards on an out route and somebody cuts under it. it. It's like, that's a bad mistake. But again, those things happen throughout the course of football. But whenever you've got a chance to win a big game and for the second time this year, Spencer and Chuba haven't been able to complete the handoff and the balls ended up on the turf. I mean, I, I want to know what's going on with the simple things. Like, I mean, I understand a guy makes a great play. So be it. But I mean, when you do all the little simple things wrong, that is what starts to get to me because I don't know if that's just a lack of focus, a lack of intensity. I don't know what it is, but I mean, given Texas that first seven points because you can't keep the ball off the ground on a, on a handoff exchange, that's a tough pill to swallow. He's played nine, Spencer Sanders played nine quarters of football this year. He has six turnovers. Yeah. I mean, and again, I stand by what I said last week. He's the quarterback. His ceiling is his team ceiling. He needs to be in there because you saw, you you got the full Spencer Sanders experience against Texas. He throws for a career high four hundred yards, four touchdowns. He had never thrown for three hundred, Carson. It was his first three hundred yard passing game in his career, and he threw for four hundred. That's unbelievable. I didn't know that. So yeah, yeah. He, it was the full Spencer Sanders experience. Four hundred yards. His connection with Tylen Wallace is impeccable. They have great chemistry. Those those balls are right where they need to be for Tylen to go get them. But, but at some point, Colby, you have to wonder, are they better off playing a kid who doesn't turn the ball over as much in Shane Illingworth? They don't ask him to do as much. Your offensive ceiling lowers, but it doesn't cost you the football game like it did against Texas. Spencer Sanders cost them the game with how many turnovers he did. Now, Mike Gundy could have bailed him out by not rushing the punter, which we already discussed. But it's simple as that, Colby. I mean, your chances of winning with five turnovers, essentially four from your offense are virtually nil. And you just can't win football games, turning it over at the quarterback position. And again, this is only his 13th game. Some of that's on his head coach for not playing him sooner, but a lot of it's on Spencer Sanders. He holds onto the ball too long. I mean, that Joseph Asai actually rocked him for a fumble. And you're right, Colby, the, the, the zone read exchange between Chuba Hubbard and Spencer Sanders. I don't think we got... Mike Gunny was asked about it. We didn't really get an explanation. He basically just said what you said. That, that can't happen. These guys have been here for three years, and that just can't happen. I don't know if Chuba thought it was play action the whole way, if Spencer just fumbled it, if Chuba held on too long to it. Either way, that goes on the quarterback. He's the one ultimately in control of the football because he gets it first. And you're right. That, that's the second time he's done that. He did it against Tulsa. Uh, so that that's maddening, Colby. And I, I don't know how you feel, but – do you just ride this this roller coaster that is Spencer Sanders and hopes he quits turning it over? Or at some point, do you look over at Shane Ellen where they get in the game and hand it off and throw it sideways? Yeah. I, first off, I want to I want to clear up what I think is a little bit of a fallacy. I think that there's this idea out there 
that uh, Shane Illingworth is like this stud who if Oklahoma State was starting him all season, they'd win a national championship. We saw him play one quarter against Tulsa where he threw basically two fades to Tyler Wallace. We saw him play four quarters against West Virginia where after he threw an atrocious interception in the middle of the field, Mike Gundy had to get on the headset and say, run the ball and throw it sideways, please. And then we saw him play four quarters against Kansas. And if you're judging any of your football opinions on what happens in a game against Kansas, I think you're, you're mistaken. I'll, I'll say this. Maybe he wouldn't turn it over as much because they wouldn't allow him to do as mm-hmm. much. So maybe he wouldn't cost you the game. But I think Oklahoma State fans need to buckle in and realize that we're, we're on this roller coaster ride with Spencer Sanders. And I don't think we're getting off of it anytime soon. And, I mean, to me, he's kind of like a Brett Favre. You know, Carson, Brett Favre for so long, his ceiling was so high. And you watch Brett Favre play, and it's like, oh, my gosh, he just set the touchdown record. Oh, and and he just set the interception record. But because what he can do is so special and because he can win games for your team, you you have to accept the fact that occasionally the way he plays might cost you a game. And it's tough, but Spencer's ceiling is so high that if he ever plays a clean game – Oklahoma State's going to beat whoever's on the other sideline because everything he can do is so good. Him and Tylen's connection has just become un- unbelievably good. They were just lockstep on Saturday. So I-, I understand the frustration, and I understand, look, the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy on campus after a loss. But I, I think a lot of people have talked themselves in to Shane Illingworth being Trevor Lawrence, and I don't think that's the case at this point in his career. And I think people just need to strap in and realize it's the Spencer Sanders show. Yeah. And this is, this is kind of who he is at this point in his career because he hasn't played. So I, I'm with you. Shane Ellingworth is not, is not ready to lead this team to a big 12 championship. Now, the reason I brought him up was, you know, <laughs> put him in there and don't ask him to do too much. Cause that, that you're going to win the game most, more than likely, unless you're playing Oklahoma. That's that to your point, Colby, you need Spencer Sanders to beat Oklahoma. Shane Ellingworth, is not going to make enough plays to beat OU with, with the way they're playing defensively right now and how many points they're probably going to try to put up against OSU's defense. Now, I will say this for Spencer Sanders. The offensive line got annihilated. I mean, I they gave up five sacks, 12 tackles for loss. Spencer didn't have a whole lot of time, and he got, he got just lit up by Joseph Asai all, all game long. The offensive line concerns really kind of came to roost in this game too, Colby, because they couldn't run the football. Chuba, Chuba Hubbard, 25 carries, 72 yards, 2.9 a clip. They couldn't run the ball, and they couldn't protect Spencer Sanders. So we can talk about the turnovers that were a big deal. They also couldn't block Texas, which I had somewhat concerned with. You know, I brought up Osai, but I didn't think they would just give up five sacks because I think Texas only had – maybe five or six the whole year coming into this game. Yeah, we talked about the sack numbers on Friday and how low Texas' sack numbers were. And I thought a a big detriment to Oklahoma State, too, was obviously because they were getting beat so bad at the line, the the quarterback run game was non-existent. You couldn't get that going at all. I mean, Spencer Sanders, obviously, in, in college, sacks count against this stuff. But the final box score read 16 carries for 11 yards for Spencer Sanders. Now what that did is it left Tyler Wallace in man-to-man coverage most of the day. But I think kind of what Texas said is we're not going to let you beat us on the ground because we know that your defense is so good. We don't want you chewing up clock. We don't want you methodically moving down the field on eight minute drives and then throwing your defense out there and we go three and out. I, I actually thought that it was kind of a good plan from Texas to make Oklahoma State throw the ball because if you force Oklahoma State to do that, Maybe you forced them into some mistakes. And guess what they did? They forced Oklahoma State into some mistakes. And, you know, the, the out route that Spencer Sanders threw the pick on, that's a bad pick. But, but also what killed Oklahoma State is of the four turnovers, three times Texas started in the red zone off those turnovers. And it probably would have been all five if after the L.D. Brown uh, fumble, Joseph Asai didn't clip his own heel and trip himself at his own 45-yard line. So <laughs> – the, the turnovers were bad. I thought Dex, Texas' defensive strategy was good and losing the offensive lineman during the game for Oklahoma State. I just – that was supposed to be a good, strong unit coming into the season. And Oklahoma State's lost, what, four guys now? Whatever you consider what happened before the year with the retirement, guys leaving, um, you know, transferring to Tulsa or wherever. I think it was Bryce Bray transferred to. And now you're losing guys to injury during the season. The offensive line unit's going to be an issue. 
Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it, you, you can't lose that many bodies and expect to have, you know, a big 12 championship caliber offensive line. I think they're going to have to game plan around it at this point. And look, I will say this for Texas, you know, we, we trash their, their talent level and their lack of NFL talent. Oh, size a dude. He really is. And there were several guys, Colby, that I saw, like, I think 49, the guy that had the fumble recovery and kind of bumbled his way down the field for a little bit before he got his feet taken out. Those dudes look good coming off the bus. I mean, that guy was like 295 of muscle. Six, he was like 6'3", 295. Like, Texas still looks the part. They may not play it all the time. They they look like Tarzan, play like Jane a lot of Saturdays, but they look like Tarzan, and their, their D-line played like Tarzan in that, that game. That They got some dudes that, that actually look the part that yeah. I didn't really realize. Yeah, in the trenches, I thought Texas was pretty good. Now, those poor guys on the outside that were trying to cover Tyler Wallace – I mean, Tyler Moss, that dude's so bad in the end zone. And then all the pass interference. I mean, he had 187 receiving yards, and I bet he had another 60 in, in penalties that he accrued throughout the day. Tylen is just – I mean, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable to watch, and he's really cementing himself as one of the all-time great receivers to play at Oklahoma State. How good was that fade route touchdown catch that he had? It was so – I mean, I, I took a still shot – uh, of him going up. I mean, he, he picked the ball off the back of the guy's helmet and <laughs> I, I posted a picture of it on, on Twitter. And I said, Tylen, that man's got a family. Come on now. Can't be embarrassing him like that on national television, but it's just that connection was fun to watch of all the, of all the terrible things that we had to sit through on Saturday, watching Spencer to Tylen was fun. And if teams are going to defend Tylen like that, I don't see why he wouldn't have 11 for 187 and two touchdowns every game. You just, if that guy's in man-to-man coverage, you you just have to keep feeding him all day long. I mean, he makes that catch routinely. He he makes it look so easy. And I said this on the last show, like you need some luck to win Bolitnikoff awards, but he was he should have won it over Jerry Judy. And he he was on his way to winning it before he tore his knee. I mean, the only two guys have won two Bolitnikoffs. And that's that's the ilk that he's with. And we see it time and time again. He looks back to full speed. And I had been cur- was it Blackman and like Fitz or somebody Blackman and Crabtree are the only ones to Blackman win. And Crabtree. That's two. right. Yeah. I tweeted that incorrectly. Like I, I, I was typing on an iPad and I had, I had autocorrect issues. I said, I'm, I'm getting old. So I typed Fitzgerald instead of Crabtree. I, I had to like delete the tweet like twice and finally tweet out that thought again. But yeah, it was those two guys. And that's, that's the quality he's in. And I've been curious about his NFL stock. You hadn't really seen him in mock drafts. You hadn't really, seen his name thrown out there by all the, the draft people that you follow. But finally, Pro Football Focus did like their top 100 players so far and their, their, their big board top 100. And Tylen was in it. And he was in the top 65 along with, with uh, Chuba. And Colby Harvell Peel was in the top 65 as well. So he's obviously turning some heads for NFL scouts too, which again, yeah, losing him, him going was out so on bad. Saturday was a big, him, him going out on Saturday was a big, big deal. Big, big deal. It's amazing, Colby, that they did lose him. They lost Trey Sterling in this game as well. And they still kept Oklahoma State in this game. So to your point, three times in regulation, OSU turned it over and the Texas offense got it at the 20-yard line or closer. It would have been four times, as you said, except for Osai fell down. On those three trips inside the 20, they resulted in just 13 points. That's about as good as you can do when you're thrown in those situations time and time again. Texas entered overtime with just 277 yards, 16 first downs. They punted 10 times. Like, I don't know how else you can say it. OSU's defense is elite. They're Big 12 championship caliber. I think they're national championship caliber. They don't have a weakness. And again, we I mentioned the guys who were injured. Here's a guy who doesn't even get mentioned on the broadcast. He's playing so well. Rodarius Williams. Joshua Moore was leading the Big 12 in touchdown catches. Do you know what Joshua Moore did against Rodarius Williams? One catch for 15 yards. And I bet he had a few targets, but not the level he gets because they can't even throw his way because Rodarius is covering him so well. Rodarius Williams is making a lot of money this year. Yeah, that was the touchdown catch in overtime. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. One catch, the 15 yards, touchdown. So he, he covered him really well, Colby, for four quarters and most of overtime, but not, not, the, not the last touchdown catch. 
Yeah, that was unfortunate that that's when his one catch came was in overtime. Um, by the way, I, I saw a lot on Twitter on Saturday, people blaming the officials. And, and look, I get that um, whenever you lose a heartbreaker like this one, there are always calls that can kind of go either way. On replay, I did not think it was pass interference in overtime. Watching it live, I did think it was pass interference. I, was it the wrong call? Maybe, probably. Incidental contact, feet get tangled up, and he goes down. But the official on the back line watching that live in real speed, I mean, sees that guy drop, and, you know, their bodies are covering each other up. That's a that's a hard one to tell. I That's that's human error, if you want to call it that. I, I don't think that that necessarily cost Oklahoma State the game in itself. Uh, what do you think of the Dylan Stoner review and consequential overturn? Yeah, I mean – I can see, I'll just preface it with this. I can see why, I can see their judgment on it in terms of, I can see the replay official seeing the ball touch the ground and and saying, well, he trapped it. You can make that argument. Do I agree with that? Absolutely not. Do I think it was a catch? I absolutely do. Do I think we've gotten to a point with replay that if we can slow it down to thousands frames per second and we can see a ball move like the, like the Des Bryant play. I think, I think replay has made us totally lose our minds on what's an actual catch or what's not. And that's a football catch. That ball has touched the ground for a hundred years and it's always been a catch, but now that we can slow it down and see it frame by frame. Oh, it, it kind of touched the I hate it, Colby. I absolutely hate replay when it when it gets to this. That's a catch. That's a catch. And the fact that they called it a catch and overturned it is egregious. It's right up there. Speaking of Bedlam, how about 2017 Bedlam, a play you and I referenced a few weeks ago? I hate it. When Oklahoma, the running back, catches a pass, switches the ball to his outside hand like running backs are taught to do, he fumbles, and then they rule it an incomplete pass on the replay. They overturned the call, the fact that that those two plays went against OSU are crazy, but the fact that they overturned the call to do so is even crazier. Like it'd be one thing if they didn't, they just said, Oh, you know what? We can't overturn it. Cause we made that call. They made the right call each time and still overturned it. That, that blew my mind. Yeah. I thought that, that stoner on Saturday, first off, uh, I thought that was one of Spencer's worst throws of the day. He missed him by a mile and Mm -hmm. Stoner had to dive to go get it. It should have been an easy first down if it would have been a good throw, so we can start there. Then he makes a phenomenal play. I did think that while the ball was in his left hand, I thought it kind of came out of his right hand and rolled over his wrist a little bit, so I think that maybe that's what they were seeing to overturn it, but I told my wife on Saturday, because they were going back and forth, you know, Dean Blandino, the guys in in the booth and stuff were saying, man, this could go either way. It probably has to stand just since that's what they called on the field. That's what the broadcast was saying, and and Dana asked me what I thought, my wife, and I told her, I said, Dana, I have been an Oklahoma State fan long enough to know that this is going to get overturned to an incompletion, and I'm not even going to be surprised about it because I've seen it. I've seen it time and time again that, you know, when that thing goes to replay in Stillwater, it ain't coming back orange. It ain't coming back bright orange. I know that. So I was not surprised at all that they overturned it. That just, for whatever reason, seems to be the way those things go. How about that game – I can't remember what year, maybe 2015, where Texas was on the goal line. and Oh, God, and they, they fumbled? They fumbled, and they reviewed it, and it was clear as day, and they still didn't. <laughs> that, that call also went against Oklahoma State. And I think the Big 12 and, and was determined the outcome for it. <laughs> yeah. It literally determined the outcome of the game at the goal line, going well, in at the very end to win the game. I just I, – I've been an Oklahoma State fan long enough to know how that review is coming back. I don't even need the announcement. I know what's going to happen. Exactly. And, and to your point, like – I'm not blaming – like, you shouldn't blame the officials in this game. Texas had 13 penalties for 142 yards. And that's – and you mentioned Tylen drawing so many pass interference calls over the course of the game. That's really when the ref is seeing it in in real time. He's heard it all day long from the Texas sideline that they're doing it too. And just human nature has to get involved there, right? When the guy goes down – We've called that on Texas all day. We got to call it fairly. That's how that flag comes out. Because I, I think their feet just got tangled up. But I, but again, if you're blaming here, blaming the officials, that's that's way down the list for why OSU lost the game. Yeah, I think so too. It's those calls happen throughout the course of a game. Um, I actually, you know, just because of the angle that that guy was was watching, 
I don't think that that one was maybe even as egregious as Texas' last touchdown drive in regulation, where on third and 13, it was the play, uh, it was before the punt block. So it was in the middle of the fourth quarter before the punt uh, block attempt and then roughing the punter where Christian Holmes got called for pass interference up the yeah. left sideline where it wasn't. But again, that's that's not why Oklahoma State lost. Don't go after the punt and you're fine. By the way, Zachary Lancaster, who covers Oklahoma State uh, for the SI Now Network, tweeted out about half an hour ago. He said, man, Mike Gundy was in a different type of mood today during his Zoom call. Well, I hope he was. I hope he was in a different kind of mood. What's that mean? Did he go back to when he like was barely talking at his press conference? I don't know. I need to go back and watch it. That would be my guess if I was if I was guessing. Hmm. Yeah, because when he loses, man, he he gets he gets real surly and quiet. Remember that year he was struggling and he was feuding with Boone, and that press conference oh, yeah. was all kind of awkward. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that was the year. That was the year that if Bob Stoops doesn't repunt, Mike Gundy might have went ahead and uh, bounced out of Stillwater. <laughs> No kidding. That, the, his back was firmly against the wall going into that game. We were all wondering if, if he'd be back yeah. at that point. Talk about butterfly butterfly effect. If Bob Stoops doesn't punt, it could have totally changed the trajectory <laughs> of Oklahoma State football. Because I really don't know if Gundy would have been back the following season had they not won Bedlam and gone to a bowl game that year. And, of course, then they win the bowl game. And you got Mason Rudolph and everything looks exciting. And the future looks bright. So then you just keep on keeping on. But, yeah, that I, I don't know. I'm still – I texted you this morning, told you I was still pissed about Saturday. I, I am still pissed about Saturday. I just felt like this Oklahoma State team had a ceiling that very few Oklahoma State teams have. Uh, and I'm talking to college football playoff ceiling. And now, I mean, if, if you want to tweet at me and tell me OSU can still get in, maybe. I mean, maybe everything goes just right and they sneak in as the four seed. But I don't know, man. It's just tough when you don't have the helmet logo in college football to lose a game and still make your way there. People yep. were talking last week. And if Oklahoma State went undefeated, they would have a chance to get in. Well, what are people going to think now with a loss to a Texas team that's almost certainly going to lose a couple more times this year? Because let's be honest, they're not that good. No. Here's the maddening thing, too, Colby. When, when it comes to playoff time, they're going to look at this box score and say, man, OSU's defense isn't as good. They gave up 41 points to Texas. Yeah. Having, not, having not watched the game, having no idea the level of domination OSU's defense had, and frankly, the level OSU had in the game. They're not even going to – those people like Barry Alvarez who used to be on the committee. I don't even know if he still is. It's been so long since they've met. They don't, they don't pay any attention. So that's going to be just, just maddening at the time when, when that, that comes to play. Uh, before we do bullets and BBs, Cole, I, I want to give it up to OSU's defense one more time. I mean, they gave up 3.8 yards per play and got put in the worst case scenario time and time and time again. And the fact that this game, again, with the five turnovers, the kick return touchdown, the roughing the punter, it's astonishing that they were even in this game, let alone getting into overtime. And that's only a testament to OSU's defense. Yeah, absolutely. This is the best defense. Um, is this the best defense ever at Oklahoma State? I mean, I'm not old enough to remember that 1945 national championship team, obviously. But uh, I mean, is this the best defense that we've seen in the modern era at Oklahoma State? In the Gundy era, I would say yes, in terms of I think there's more NFL players that are going to get drafted on this defense than anyone they've had. I think Colby Harville Pill, obviously, I just mentioned, might go might go in the top 60. Uh, Trey Sterling's going to play in the NFL. Obviously, I think Trace Ford is. Rodarius uh, Williams, Williams yeah. related to Greedy Williams, will also play in the NFL. And Maybe some other guys, uh, you, you never quite know who's going to – like OSU's had some guys that are still in the league that weren't, you know, just superstars at OSU that are still playing in the league. So I just, I, I just think top to bottom, I think it is, Colby, just because in 2013 you could, you could pick out a weakness here and there. I just – in 2011 too, they just got a lot of turnovers and made up for a lot of things, and they just frankly just their offense just beat teams over the head with a steel chair. And this defense, I just don't see any weaknesses. Yeah, and that's what I told my wife on Saturday. I said, you know, she was asking me why I was so much more angry than I usually am uh, with an Oklahoma State loss. Because I, I usually don't let it get to me as bad as I did Saturday, and I gave her two reasons. One, you're three to four touchdowns better than the team you just lost to. Two, we, we literally may never see an Oklahoma State defense that is this elite again. I mean, I think this is one of the top three defenses probably in the country. And we might not see another Oklahoma State defense like this in a very, very long time. And to waste it because you made all those mistakes on the other side of the ball uh, and on special teams 
on Saturday. Oh, and by the way, we haven't even really touched much on the kick return. We talked about it whenever I was telling Gundy to hire a special teams coordinator. At When Oklahoma State went up 31-20, to 20, I thought to myself, okay, now they're going to start to separate themselves. They're going to put some distance between them and Texas because I knew that the defense would be able to come out and get a stop. I, I was very confident in that. Then you immediately give up a 100-yard kickoff return, and now it's a one-possession game, and it all goes downhill from there. It's just special teams was atrocious Saturday. Complete disaster. I, I fully – I think if they just tackle that, that, that one kick return, they win the game by two touchdowns or more. Because they were they were going to force a punt on the next possession, and the way Absolutely. she was moving the football, I just I'm with you. I think that's when they really were about to separate. And the most frustrating part of it, Colby, is the guy fumbles the kick return. He fumbles it, has to has to pick it up on the one to where you really you have a chance to really get pin him deep, and he just he goes untouched practically for the touchdown. And and I know a lot of times when guys fumble the kick, like kind of bumble it around, guys can tend to over pursue, and I think that's what happened. But, man, I mean, just total calamity in special teams. And, again, Mike Gundy's a special teams coach. And I do think their coverage units have been pretty good this year. They've started doing this thing where they they line most of the guys up on one side of the field and kick it to that side. And it's mostly worked. But for whatever reason, he went basically untouched for, for, for six, and that, that really swung the game. Yeah, it did. It, you know, Special teams is always good right up until it isn't. And uh, hire a special teams coach. Do it. Hire yeah. a special teams coach. Stop. I don't know if it's pride. I don't know what it is. But hire a special teams coach. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's do bullets and BBs, Colby. Plenty of, uh, plenty of candidates uh, for uh, bullets and BBs. This is our segment where we give positive helmet stickers and negative ones. I guess I'll start. I'll um, – I already gave it up to the OSU defense and they deserve all the, they deserve all the bullets. I, I can't believe that the offense kept putting them in those positions, but I want to give it to Sam, Sam Ellinger. Is he a great quarterback? No. Is he going to play in the NFL? Probably not. I don't think he throws the ball that great. I don't think his arms that good. I thought OSU made him look terrible most of that game, but here's what Sam Ellinger is. He's a football player, man. He is a gamer. And when that game, when they had a chance to win that game, the end of the fourth quarter in overtime, he was flawless. And OSU was sending the heat now. And he avoided the rush, found open guys in the end zone. He played exceptional. And he is a reason. You can, you can blame OSU's turnovers, and rightfully so. But you got to give Ellinger a lot of credit, too, for the, for the plays that he made down the stretch to win that game. So it, much to my chagrin, I'm going with Sam Ellinger. He was, he was big time when they had to have it. Yeah, I hate uh, I hate that you had to do that, but I understand why you did. I'm I'm not an Ellinger guy. I I personally think he gets. I, I was getting worn out on the broadcast on Saturday. You know, the guys on the broadcast were like, "Sam, this guy's a winner. This guy's just a win. If you if you want to win the game late, if it's close late and you need a win, you want Sam Ellinger on your side." And then they pop up the stat and they're like 11 and eight in games the last two seasons decided by one score, and I'm like, okay, so we're we're a little over 500. Uh, in, in games decided by one score. But, yes, he is a football player. He is tough. I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due. My bullet, Carson, is going to Tyler Wallace, who on a big national stage on Saturday I think showed people he's still that guy. You know, he had the injury last year when he was going to run away with the Bolitnikoff. Uh, this year he should win the Bolitnikoff. And that performance Saturday on national TV against Texas – uh, that was huge. 11 for 187 and two touchdowns. All the ensuing penalties that happened as a result of it. He was unbelievable. So he gets my bullet for the league. Yeah. I mean, Tylen's incredible. And again, that's, you mentioned they won't have a defense like this for quite some time or maybe ever. I mean, they're not going to have Tylen Wallace and Chuba Hubbard next year. That's what makes this loss even more frustrating and the, the scenario that they had in front of them to, to make it to a playoff. I mean, that, Next year, they're going to have to find some playmakers on offense because whew, I know OSU has a dang near Bolitnikoff winner every year at receiver, but they don't have a Tylen Wallace waiting in the wings, I don't think. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with that pick. It's so weird because I feel like when Rashawn was there, we would have been saying, man, you got to take advantage. You won't have another Rashawn. And then <laughs> Des shows up and it's like, man, you just don't get another Des Bryant. And then Blackman, you just don't get one. And then James Washington and Tylen Wallace, it's – I think it, for whatever reason, Oklahoma State has just hit the jackpot with receivers, but usually there's a gap 
between elite guys. There's a couple year gap where you wait for the next guy uh, to show up and, and start balling out. So um, yeah, it, it'll look different next year for sure. But just enjoy Tyler while you've got him because he's fun to watch. Do you have a BB? I do have a BB, Carson. I'm going to give it to the special teams coach at Oklahoma State because <laughs> special teams cost Oklahoma State the game. Kickoff return whenever you go up by 11 in the second half. That is brutal, an absolute backbreaker. And then let, let me repeat the scenario. Fourth and 22, middle of the fourth quarter, you're up by five. Your defense is elite. Your offense is moving the ball. They're turning it over, but they're moving the ball, and you decide to go after the punter in the fourth quarter. So uh, I'm giving my BB to the Oklahoma State special teams coach, guy by the name of Mike Gundy, because I think without a doubt that is what cost Oklahoma State the game. Yep. I want to give it to the replay official, but I don't know who that is. <laughs> so, so I'll go with um, – I got to go with Spencer Sanders again. Like this – Yeah. The quarterback gets – always gets too much credit and too much blame. But I think you just you just look at the turnover problems. And, again, you're, you're kind of right, Colby. I mean, a lot of this – I mean, he gets hit from behind. Now you can argue he held on the ball too long. Osai just lights him up from behind. The exchange with Chuba was inexcusable. The interception pass you mentioned, it's, it's a, it was a bad pass, but it wasn't just, you know, egregious. But, a man, just he's costing his team games. It's, it's that simple. You go back to last year, if he doesn't turn it over three times against Tech, their defense, they, they, they came back in that game somehow, despite yeah. Spencer just handing them the football three different times. And so I, I do question, is this who he is? Or is he just going through the – the natural progressions of a freshman quarterback. That's what he is. This was his 13th game. He's basically still a true freshman in terms of playing experience. So I, I'm curious to see how his career unfolds, Colby. Again, I, no Chuba, no Tywin next year. There's going to be so much more on his plate next year. He might even try to force it even more next year when he doesn't have that kind of help around him, if the offensive line doesn't improve as well. So well, I, I, I got to give it to Spencer. I mean, we can we can bash Gundy all we want, but your quarterback turns it over like that, your your chances of winning is not great. Yeah, it was it was the combination of things. You know, if if something here goes wrong, something there goes wrong, it's one thing. But when everything goes wrong, it's it's not you know a snowball; it's an avalanche coming down the hill at you. And and it would have taken an avalanche for Texas to beat Oklahoma State on Saturday, and that's exactly what we got. So it was just a comedy of errors players, coaches, just across the board. So you, you play like that, honestly, you you kind of get what you deserve. And, you know, if you're three touchdowns better than a team and you let them hang around and beat you, that's probably about what you deserve for how you played that day. It was a terrific uniform matchup, though. Oh, it was. Let's get to the uh, Chris's University Spirit uniform review brought to you by Chris University Spirit. You can shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We had the all white versus the all black. You and I went three for three. We predicted. And again, I'm glad I prefaced this on last week's show, Colby. I said, as long as it's the brand, we both win because you picked the correct brand. It wasn't the chromed out version, but I think we both went three for three on our predictions. Yeah, we, we clarified on Friday that as long as you guessed the correct color, the correct logo didn't matter. I would like to say, I don't think we're keeping score, but if somebody at home's keeping score, I want a bonus point for picking the logo. Yeah, no, I, I think you should. We'll give you a bonus point for that. Uh, right. I thought Winner, it looked great. All, all black is just – it's hard to beat, Colby. You can talk me into black, orange, black, 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 orange. I love all those, but all black's really hard to beat. You just look so mean. Your guys black. look bigger. Your guys look stronger. There's just something about it. Yeah, I mean, every – I don't know why the all black makes makes guys look like that, but – I mean, you just look the part in all black. It's just sharp. It's sleek. It's clean. I don't know. I, I, I can't explain it, but the all blacks are my favorites. They look great. You have one interesting thing? Uh, one interesting – good question. I, uh, I guess I, I, I got so caught up in Oklahoma State, I hadn't thought about it. I guess I'll go with uh, Clemson and Boston College on Saturday. It was obviously very close. Now, you kind of felt like the whole time that Clemson would end up coming back and winning that game, uh, and they did. But what's really interesting is that Trevor Lawrence is out this weekend again against Notre Dame. Uh, now, I don't know what the line is on that game. I would say Clemson is probably still going to win that game would be my prediction. But it certainly got a lot more interesting. No doubt. I mean, I, I thought that Ugalele, DJ, would play much better than he did. Um, but Notre Dame's going to be a tough game. Now, if I was wagering on it, I'd probably bet Clemson. I'd probably bet a lot just because I think the public's going to be all over Notre Dame based on Trevor Lawrence not playing. And 
I don't think Notre Dame's nearly on Clemson's level, but it's that'll be a, that'll be a fun game to watch, and it's going to be interesting. Um, one more interesting thing for me, Colby, all the problems we mentioned that are definitely true and that OSU faced in that game, they have another problem. They have a Boone Pickens Stadium problem, Colby. They don't beat ranked. They don't. They don't. They don't win big games in Boone Pickens Stadium anymore. You go back yeah. to 2017. They lost three times at home. Uh, you just look at all the big games. Anytime OU comes to town, they lose. They only. They only beat OU in Norman, ironically. Uh, another big game in which they're they're the better team. They lose to an unranked team in Texas. I. I They've lost a lot of games in Boone Pickens Stadium. We talk all the time about how close the fans are. The, the broadcast was raving about how loud it was. They said it was the loudest stadium they've been in in, in, in all of 2020 with, with COVID. And it is. I think the fans do their part. But for whatever reason, Colby, they, they have a Boone Pickens problem. They don't, they don't win big games at home. Yeah, I don't, it's weird, man. It's weird. You know, 2017, TCU, OU, and Kansas State all get them at home, which obviously was a complete disaster. And now Texas has gotten you this year at home. It's you just hate sending the fans home angry as often as Oklahoma state does. It's, <laughs> it's tough to lose those games at home. And, you know, my, my parents, my family going to the games this year, I, I opted out of uh, attending the games in person this year, gave my ticket up to somebody else, but it's, it's tough leaving that stadium, walking back to the car and you just lost a game you should have won, which has become an all too familiar feeling for Oklahoma state fans. Yep. Sure thing. And they, again, it's a two game season. You got to go to Manhattan, beat Kansas State. You got to go to Norman, beat Oklahoma. You do that, your road, your road to Jerry World is pretty simple, and you can make it to, to your first Big 12 championship game appearance. But they just made life really, really tough on themselves. So, Colby Powell, we appreciate you. You're going to take the rest of the week off. You're going on a trip. I might do a either a solo pod at the end of the week, or I might have a guest. I might ask for some Twitter questions. But, Colby, we appreciate you uh, commiserating after that that Texas performance but we were both on the right side of that game OSU should have dominated they should have won by two or three touchdowns but could have would have should have yeah absolutely that uh it was tough I honestly don't know if I feel better or worse now we've sat here for nearly an hour and talked about this game and I don't know if I feel better and worse I think I'm just in limbo maybe my body clocks off from the stupid time change I don't know yeah, we, did, we didn't need another hour of 2020, but that's that's what we got with the uh, the clocks. So uh, go on your trip, uh, have some liquid refreshment to get your mind off of uh, the, the five turnovers and, and rushing the punter, all right? Sounds good. Y'all have a good week. <laughs>